Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. We would be honored if you would join us. This week, the story is about when the storylines start to merge and many or all of our characters end up in one place. So by the end of chapter 24 of Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn, Han and Lando and 3PO and Luke and R2 and Mara Jade and Card and Thrawn and Pelion and all the Vornskers are within uh, a few rooms or a few minutes of each other. And Ross, this is kind of a Star Wars staple, like structurally. What are some other classic examples of when Star Wars characters all end up in the same place? Well, I mean, the most classic one of all, I think has to be the end of Empire. Yeah, Cloud uh, City, yeah. I don't think, you can't really say that that's the same thing in A New Hope because that's just the plot. Right. Uh, whereas in Empire, they everybody breaks off. They think they're away from Vader uh, Han and Leia and the rest of the Millennium Falcon crew. And then we bring in Lando uh, when they arrive at Bespin and then Luke joins in and then Vader joins in. And so at this point, that's all of the characters that we have. And he communes with Obi-Wan. And so everyone but Yoda, who has been introduced in this story as a significant character, comes to Bespin at that point. Yeah. And so uh, that's kind of the big one. The end, of end, the end of Return of the Jedi kind of feels like that as well, uh, even though Luke arrives on the Tidarium with Han and Leia. It does feel like they're all kind of coming together at the end. And yeah. they, although they weren't that far apart for that very long, they were, it's still nice that everybody survived and was able to come back together. Well, and it makes sense that it should happen in like the, the final climax of any Star Wars story where the actual war is taking place, where we all end up in the same place. And so you could also say that of like Theed, the capital city in Naboo at the end of Phantom Menace, I think yeah. where we are in the story right now, it's more akin to when everybody ends up in the Colosseum on Geonosis. I was right about to say Geonosis after that. It's like, that's the big one from the prequels that stands out to me. And I guess those are both the, the middle act movies. Um, and in Revenge of the Sith, really, everybody, there's no instances where everybody's all together no. because when everybody's together, someone's not leaving that room in that movie. Yeah, good point. Well, and like the war is happening all over the galaxy. It's not It's not just a little battle. It is the war of the entire yeah. Skywalker saga. You could say maybe in Solo, it ha that happens a little bit. Um, but like Solo and Rogue One are a little bit more like A New Hope in the sense of it's a ragtag group that's formed one edition at a time as opposed to like people coming together who we expect to all come together in the same room but it wasn't looking like they were yeah now so we're having that sort of happen in heir to the empire but it's not like all those characters i listed are all in one room like siding no. up against one another they are still ships passing but we're getting a little bit closer to one cohesive story with the exception of leia and this will be the yeah. last time we talk about Leia for this episode because she didn't otherwise appear in this chunk at all. I'm not even sure she was really referenced. We just parked her with Chewie on Kashyyyk, had a really like charming introduction to that world, and then we just left her be for a long time. Yeah, she's going to be coming back in the next chapter. Uh, so you did 20... Which chapters did you do? 22, 22 23, 24. 24. Okay, yeah. So I did 25 as well, just accidentally. Yeah. 
And so that one, if I'm not mistaken, is mostly Leia, okay. if not all Leia. But I know that there's definitely a good chunk that's covered there. And so they don't take too long. But we do have like Han and Lando clearly eventually finding out that Luke is um, with Mara Jade mm -hmm. and Talon Card is kind of fessed up. And Talon Card is kind of in this weird on his own side situation. And so it, it really, it, it does have this love actually kind of <laughs> feeling where you expect, okay, when are all these characters finally going to come together? And uh, well, I mean, we, we do kind of see that a little bit with the, the Luke and Mara Jade side of things where yeah. you can see how their, uh, or her intense passion of hatred for him could when removing the hatred part still exist as a, as a strong relationship. Yeah. You might they just, they have a good banter. She's just obsessed with him. Yeah. You might find when they're in the woods that love actually is all around. <laughs> uh, that's right. Just like these. Theory. We, um, that's right. We, we start this chunk with Han and Lando who have now, uh, entered into Card's palace and they're promised at least a 15 minute meeting and it's turned into this two hour dinner. And we heard about this dinner before because Mara Jade's been like forced to be there. Also at the table, uh, Wadawarn, Wade Warren, Chin and, and Gent. And we're starting to see these other names. They're just like cronies who are part of the, the, mm -hmm. the card ship, but they're going to play a bit of a role later in the chunk. Um, and it's tense Gent as always. Say it again. Gent, I believe, was the slicer. Correct, yes. Yeah, and he was the one who was kind of fanboying over over Han in particular and the Millennium Falcon and, and Lando and, and all of their adventures. And so I thought that was kind of funny that they're they do have some notoriety. Well, and they have some things in common, right? Like they're all they've all been essentially pirates at some point, including Card, including Han. And so they're sort of like shop talking a little bit about like what like skeevy things we get up to and like what we might get up to next there's like a weird comment about about slaving and somebody m mentions chewy and they're like well and you know how chewy feels about slaving and i wrote in the margins like shouldn't we all feel that way it's not unique to chewy to have like anti-slaving opinions well, it is unique in the sense that Chewie always has the ability to rip your arms off. Yep. However, it, he's not going to unless you're a slaver, basically. Right. Um, in the same way that Darth Vader also had an extra level of passion for hatred towards slavers. Um, as much as Darth Vader loved to murder people, he also loved to murder slavers because as a slave. Uh, and the best part of this was the Zygerian angle. So they talk about the Zygerian uh, slaver ship. There is one of the best arcs in the Clone Wars is about Zygerian slavers. And Anakin, um, he has his salute to R2 moment in this arc uh, where R2 launches the saber to Anakin. Yeah. Uh, a la Luke on the Jabba's barge. And so it is a really, it's a phenomenal arc. It's a great one bringing in like some of Anakin and Ahsoka and Obi-Wan's finest moments, uh, some real just it's it's kind of the perfect Anakin arc, in my opinion, in the Clone Wars and showing how heroic he is, but that you can still see the torment underneath. Um, and so I really love that they talked about Zygerian slavers, and I'm sure this is the first time the word Zygerian was ever written down yeah, good point. in all of Star Wars. It, there's no way it wasn't. And so I just loved that. I thought that was a really cool connection that something that didn't come on screen for another 
20 years was written down by Timothy Zahn and just like Thrawn came to life. Everything was logged away. And yeah, that is kind of true. There probably have been a lot of things birthed within this book that I can't, I, I have to take for granted. But like it is, it's easy to forget, in fact, that this was precursor to the vast majority of canon Star Wars now. Because in a strange way, it still feels very fresh. It, it feels like it is accessing a Star Wars tonality that existed then, exists now, and is in a way timeless. So yeah. it's, I mean, it's the only Star Wars book I have ever read. Um, and it's certainly shown me the, the tremendous capability of Timothy Zahn at writing with that tonality. Yeah, Timothy Zahn is, is really incredible. And, and I encourage you to read the Thrawn book and Thrawn Alliances as well from, from Zahn. Um, and then although uh, it's not a Zahn book, but Dark Plagueis as well, those would be the ones I'd, I'd say to try next. Um, because they capture it in a in a similar sort of way, just being able to to meet that Star Wars tone the way that the way that we want to see it. Uh, I have to say, Talon Card is a character who I knew very little about going into this. I knew the name. I knew that he was a thug who kind of took Jabba's place, and I am really growing to love this character. Yeah. He has so much charm and charisma. He is wonderfully voiced in the audiobook too. Uh, he's 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 Latin, and so he has like the Spanish accent. He's cool. he's very like Antonio Banderas. It's it's it just adds to the character. He is um, conflicted, but he's really probably he's he's underrated how strategic he is in a book where Thrawn is also present because. Yeah. Talon really does think about all the angles and has the human element that Thrawn doesn't have. And so he's a fascinating character that I'm really curious to see his fate because I just don't know his story. Well, and, and and next up, we do get a kind of interesting dynamic because we see him in conference with Thrawn. Like he gets a message, he has to excuse himself from dinner. Uh, the chimera is flying in and he has to receive a transmission uh, from Thrawn and he has to like sort of prim himself up and sort of like psych himself up for his first face to face with what he describes internally as the most dangerous man in the empire. And and so the power dynamic kind of changes just because of uh, Thrawn's certain quality, like the like the wave of authority that follows him. And otherwise, this is like this is kind of Card's house. But um, it's interesting to see him suddenly lose that influence because in a way, uh, like the other powerful, interesting character in Card's sphere is Mara Jade, who is distinctly subordinate to Card, but more characteristically impactful in Star Wars overall, and maybe could also kill him with her thumbs. And so like, there's like a lot of power and influence around him and that he can exert this kind of power and influence in spite of that is pretty impressive absolutely it's very emperor like in the sense that um he's like vader really could have pretty much always killed the emperor he as powerful as palpatine is if vader really wanted to he could have but it's the the mental strategy that card plays that allows him to still have the the higher uh, the high ground uh, against someone like Mara, whereas Mara doesn't really know what she wants and Card knows exactly what he wants and exactly how to get it. 
And so he's tiptoeing around Mara. He's really interested in Mara, but he also knows that Mara is significantly more capable than anyone understands. Yes. And so he's in a position where he, he wants to play that lightly. He allows her to be like, oh, you don't need to come to all, like, you don't need to be that present. Just come to dinner, be around when, like, they're here just to, at the start, just to show your face. But I understand you're my, like, wild stallion. Run free. I know I can't tame you. Right. Sort of. And uh, I think he kind of t- takes that approach. And then he also has to balance being the other side of it, whereas he's like a lowly imperial speaking to the emperor when he talks to Thrawn. Because as much as he has that kind of influence, there's still that other level above him. And Thrawn really does have that Palpatine level fear that he can put in other people. And that's what you need in this character. And I guess that's why Pelion exists in this book to establish that very early. But I have to say I'm a little disappointed that Pelion hasn't turned out to be a more crucial character in this book because the first couple chapters kind of suggest that he's going to be there all along. And I'm not saying he's not important, but he hasn't done that much. Maybe he's going to do like one big thing before the book is out. But the book's a little fatty with characters and he might be one of them. It is. And I will be really interested to see if this book succeeds as a standalone, hmm. I can only imagine it will because of the notoriety it had and just how positively people speak about it. So not notoriety, but how positively people speak about the book. Yes. But it does feel like it's shaping up to be like The Force Awakens. And that is not necessarily what you should do. You shouldn't be building just the first chapter of a story yeah you need to be able to kind of have a story in one and so i'm curious because i don't really know where this story is going in the parameters of the book like where is this going to end thrawn is not going to be dead what's the overall arc of heir to the empire what's going to be the concluding factor that what's going to be how do i feel satisfied how do i get that moment of vader being shot and spinning away and then you forget about vader because we have the the medal ceremony um i'm curious to know how that how it's going to be well i don't know about the heir to the empire of it all but mara jade and luke are going to have it out there's going to be a really passionate duel she's going to try really hard to kill him and then she's going to have to bail she's going to lose and second book probably she'll still hate him but maybe they'll have some like some faces to face in in like a i don't know a kylo ray kind of fashion or something i don't know and you know after that she's i mean she's already here in this chunk starting to recognize feelings for him that go beyond just like blind rageous hatred so her Mm -hmm. feelings are getting more complicated the love is growing but she is starting to push back on that and insisting to herself, no, I'm going to be the one to kill him. And so that's going to climb to a crescendo. Yeah. I'll be curious to know, like you said, is it going to be her, him showing her mercy? And then the next book, her dealing with, well, what the fuck was I thinking about? I'm super confused now. Uh, and I really do. I think the, the, um, Sabayath kind of angle is going to come back to it and probably be the culmination. I think he, his story will end in He'll this die. book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, but I, he's been absent for like, I don't know, 
five chapters now? That's so weird, eh? It's so weird. I know. And I really hope that uh, Luke does have to show Mara mercy because I understand the East Salamiria is like a big part of the story and it's how they're keeping the plot going with his imprisonment and everything. But like the great Luke Skywalker hasn't had much of an opportunity to shine in this entire book. And I'm left wondering, even without... He did take those some, some no gray. Yeah, but that's not what I'm looking for. I want him to. I want to see him be great, not just like pick off flies. Uh, yeah, you want to see him teleport across the galaxy. Absolutely. And I forget where I was going with that, but like, yeah, I, I want. I want to see him do something really special and extraordinary. And and even without his vaunted Jedi powers, as they're described, can he best Mara Jade? Like, can he just on might alone? Be, can he be a better soldier than her? That might be the way they demonstrate that for us. Yeah, I, I think he will. I think it'll be a very fair fight. I think he's going to... I don't know. I don't know whether it'll be close. I think it'll be close. I don't think they'll put it... I don't think they'll write it where he just absolutely decimates her and then shows her mercy. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a big spar back and forth. Uh, Kylo and Rey is a comparison I never really thought of. I don't know if there's any kind of if they transfer some of the the tension between Luke and Mara into Kylo and Rey in the recent trilogy. That's not something I've uh, I have really any knowledge on. And I'm also curious to know if there's going to be any romantic angle in the current canon. Like, will that be anything linked with Ahsoka or whatnot? Uh, yes, I don't know. I mean, it would like be nice. Sabine, like, there's like there's so many new characters there. Like, will there be a romance angle uh, in the Mando era? There probably should be. Like, I know some people find yeah. it frustrating when we shoehorn in a love story, but like, it's kind of implicit to what Star Wars has always done. Absolutely, I don't think it's really even shoehorning it that much. And it was maybe uh, the main thing missing from the sequel trilogy. And I know they put that kiss there in that movie, but like, and there was like a heat between those two all along. But oh, there was. Those yeah. are those are that's easily the least romantic of the Star Wars trilogies, and maybe that was for the worse. Yep. No, I think it absolutely was. I think if they, to be honest, if they made the Rise of Skywalker a like a, a more deliberate sweeping romance, I think. Uh, like, I don't know, a hundred percent more people would like it. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> it would it would really add another angle because that's something that Star Wars has abandoned. Like solo is easily the most romantic thing that has been done in the new canon. Yeah. Um well actually no. That would definitely it would be Hera and Kanan's relationship. That was really just so wonderful because they're very much like it's a parents like relationship. You watch it the entire time where it's like you're the kids as well. You're completely oblivious to the relationship these two have had the entire time and how much deeper it goes beyond like off the screen. And then it kind of really reveals itself in that final season. So it's it's really nice. Um, but Kanan's dead. And so he's not going to be in Ahsoka. <laughs> right. Definitely. Yeah. So I guess we'll see. Uh, I kind of feel like maybe we're like retreading some territory from last week because I thought we already talked about how Luke escaped. Uh, he gets, he steals. We did. we did talk about that. So that that's happening in this no, chapter, we, but. No, no, no. We, we didn't talk about that because I remember I, I had also gotten it confused as to when he pulls out um, the extra power supply from his mechanical hand. I guess that's uh, what happened. Like we ended our podcast last time being like, well, this just happened mid 
action. Like he was about to escape from the shed. He hadn't done it yet. Uh, here mm -hmm. in this chapter, he in fact does it. And Mara Jade is like fully aware of everything that happens. Like he steals uh, a ship. He takes off. She's really mad about like not getting enough credit for the capture of Luke Skywalker. And also she wants to kill him. And so she's like thinking about like, well, I go after him and I just kill him. And Card could be mad about that, but all I have to do is tell him that it was like self-defense. And then I got to kill Luke Skywalker. And like, and so she's, so she does that. <laughs> she doesn't kill him, but she goes after him. Uh, and we transition to the next chapter where Luke is kind of struggling because even as a great pilot, he's never flown this before. And it's, it's getting a little bit dodgy and not to jump too many steps ahead, but it, it, there is a dog fight and they crash land, both of them. Okay. But together. Yes. And this is something that I really love to see. I didn't know that this was part of the story, um, but the fact that you have two people who are on opposite sides crash landing in the middle of an area and needed to figure out how to work together, that is the end of Rebels. Thrawn and Ezra are shot out into the middle of who knows fuck, and <laughs> they have to. They likely have to figure out how to work together. I always had the hilarious... Like, do you remember Colin uh, from junior high, the book, The K? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you mean <laughs> uh, you mean The Poor Man's Old Man in the Sea by Hemingway? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but anyway, it's like, I, that's the one we read. And so it's like two completely like different walks of life people on a desert island that have to learn how to work together. Um, and it just, for some reason, the end of Revels left me with that. Ah, oh, Thrawn and Ezra are going to go live the K somewhere off in the galaxy far, <laughs> <The K>. far away. <laughs> Why did they make us read that book? I don't know. Yeah, that's... Well, it's a good way to force some humanity between the two characters. Because there are times, exactly. even through this next chapter, and I, well, I have some highlights, we'll get to them when we do, but there are some times where when she talks to him, it's hilarious how much she hates him it's so yeah. it's a little bit two-dimensional and lame actually like how little patience she has for him uh but to force them to be together and it, it put her in situations where he almost um helps her like because like he's having ideas or r2 is coming in clutch in ways that she wasn't capable of and she kind of can't deny that it's useful to have him around well that's what saves his life yeah <laughs> is the fact that him and r2 we're pretty valuable. You don't want to kill us and we can actually get you out of here. And it's the only way you're going to get out of here. And so how, how do you like them apples? And right. so they do have to kind of work off of one another. Uh, and you, yes, as much as it is so over the top, I actually really like it Yeah, yeah. because it shows just how it's all in her head. Right. She's building it up. It's just snowballing in her head how horrible he is. He could say, pass me the salt, and she would find a way to make that an insult and hate him more for it. Uh, it's just the way that her mind is positioned. And so I guess that's supposed to show us that as much as she hates him, the hatred is just a, a snowball of nothing. You had one misinformation and then you stack like just time and frustration on top of one another that she hates him for no reason and when you remove that one piece of misinformation likely around the murder of palpatine and the way that that went down 
all of the rest of the host of cards just kind of tumbles down and it makes it a lot easier for her to go from pure hate to pure love. And so that's, I kind of like it. Well, love and hate are like actually pretty close to each other, right? They're just different versions of passion. I've got a couple of highlights right here. So there's one point where he asks you, asks Mara, are you hurt at all? None of your business, she retorted, which is a funny (laughs) way to respond to, are you okay? None of your business. And this is the best one. She snorted. Listen, buddy boy. Yes, it was, listen, buddy boy, it was you who took us down, not me. My only mistake was being stupid enough to be sitting too close to your tail when you hit the trees. Put the bag down and get the droid out of there. I just find her hatred just like borderline really, really funny. Buddy boy was really funny. And there's, I think, one other thing she might say to him that is another word of like, just like like a golly gee sort of phrase. Yeah. It's like, that translated to the galaxy far far away all right well here's where she's like disrespecting r2 which is cardinal sin right she says don't be absurd whatever happens the droid stays here in pieces luke stared at her in pieces what do you need it spelled out she retorted the droid knows too much we can't leave it here for stormtroopers to find knows too much about what you of course you card me this whole stupid mess r2 moaned softly he won't tell them anything luke insisted not after it's in pieces no Mara agreed. <laughs> just determined to blow up R2. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. And then... I love the, the R2 description there because all I just hear is the R2's little... Yeah, you can yeah, hear it exactly. perfectly. We, we all hear the same sound. So, uh, and, and this is the part where she tells him directly why she hates him without fully telling him why she hates him. And that's a point of frustration for me because it's convenient... Uh, retention of information for the sake of of plot. Um, I'm going to read this long paragraph. She looks at him and she says, I've wanted to kill you for a long time. I dreamed about your death every night for most of that first year. Dreamed it, plotted it. I must have run through a thousand scenarios trying to find out exactly the right way to do it. You can call it a cloud on my judgment if you want to. I'm used to it by now. It's the closest thing I've got to a permanent companion. And then Luke says, what did I do to you? And she just says, you destroyed my life. It's only fair that I destroy yours. That doesn't answer the question. Like, why is he satisfied with that answer? You destroyed my life. I don't think he is satisfied. I think he realized he leaves it though. He's just like, he's getting absolutely nothing from Mara and he's still remaining his charming self. He has so much patience. Yeah. As someone who, didn't didn't have patience in a new hope or empire and really didn't necessarily like it return of the jedi luke is so difficult to examine because you see a lot of restraint and a much calmer luke yeah but at the same time you also see him force choking gamorian guards Mm -hmm. and just losing his shit hacking away at vader's arm before he stops himself like he doesn't always have an immediate first like gut instinct to do the right thing or to make the right choice it's something whereas that's why luke is great because when he chooses to do the right thing he always chooses to do the right thing but it's amazing how in the five years since return of the jedi he's really elevated his ability to control his emotions and i I really like that It's, it's it's a nice kind of progression to see um, and it's the first time like we've seen him so 
Obi-Wan, A New Hope. He's just so centered. Well, and consider also, I can't believe we haven't said this more on the podcast lately, but this is happening concurrently with the Grogu storyline. It's at exactly the same time. And so when he meets Luke there in season two of Mando, or I guess it was Boba Fett or whatever, that Luke was monk-like. That Luke was was calm and had, and had found a way to put away his anger, the anger that uh, frightened Yoda so much. And so mm-hmm. if he's that guy here, you can see how he has that patience for Mara Jade's hatred, I suppose. Absolutely. They're very much the same character. It's very consistent. Um, the the Luke that we saw in Book of Boba Fett is, is this Luke, and I love it. Uh, And here's where it starts to change. For a long moment, she stared at him, her jaw tight with clenched teeth, her face a mirror of fiercely battling emotions, bitterness, hatred, desire for survival, and something else, something that Luke could almost believe might be a touch of loyalty. Love is all around us. So now the feeling grows. (laughs) That's exciting. I'm excited. I hope there's a big juicy kiss. Oh, I'm sure there will be. Um, it, it's. I don't know if it'll come this this book. It seems like it has accelerated a lot quicker than I thought it possibly could have. Yeah. Uh, in these last three chapters, they've gone from pure. It's been a pure hatred from a in a one sided relationship to a mutual tension. Uh, one side compassionate, one side reluctantly frustrated. And so it has evolved a lot more than I thought could be possible in a short amount of time. Obviously, she's been carrying around his lightsaber all this time and she's with him. But then there's a moment where she actually uses it in front of him. And it's striking to Luke that she knows how to use it. And so, I mean, uh, it's pretty obvious to us, the reader, that she's force sensitive. It's not it's not abundantly obvious to Luke because his force sensors are dulled by the Salamiri, And so like he's trying to piece it all together just by logic. But like, I suppose he's starting to see that she could be that for him. And am I right also that she could be a Padawan for him? Is, is that what happens in addition to their romance? I, to be honest, I don't know if she technically becomes a Padawan. She would be part of the academy that Luke develops. Uh, and it's also different because Legend Star Wars is much more fractured and it's not necessarily as consistent as canon. Uh, I think she would technically be a Padawan of his maybe at some point. I don't know. That's that's, that's a good question. Um, but by showing earlier in the book that Leia doesn't necessarily have the same familiarity or immediate abilities with a lightsaber. And then contrasting that with somebody who clearly does, it goes to show that it's not an easy weapon to use. Here's someone who can use it well. Yeah. Here's some dots. I'll let you draw the line. Right. He's going to have to start connecting the dots on his own for how he knows her from the past, though. Like, that's... That's going to have to come in. I can't wait. Well, and Lando also mentions at one point, it was like, I've seen her before, but mm. I don't think she was a smuggler at the time. And I'm like, <laughs> that's an awfully specific, weird thing to yeah. remember. Now, speaking of Lando, uh, that's what's happening back at, at Card's place. They kind of get scurried out of dinner. They're like told to like hurry up and finish your food, go back to your room because they're bringing in Thrawn. Um, and I found it really strange that like Lando gets a glance at Thrawn from down the hall and doesn't really know who he is. I thought it was interesting that Thrawn doesn't have like recognizability galaxy wide, especially to someone who is really in the know like Lando. 
Yeah, no, he's been kind of operating in the shadows. Uh, it's sort of an emergence. People are seeing, oh, the Empire's got their shit together for once. What is this? And so it, he isn't that known. Uh, some people like Card would kind of know who he is, and that's how. But other than that, Thrawn doesn't leave many survivors to know who he is. True. True. The Dread Pirate Thrawn. <laughs> leave no survivors. Um, Lando and Han uh, are kind of just like walking around the property now, and they do get to the shed where Luke had been. They get to do a little little convenient detective work. They go inside. They see there was a prisoner here. I know there's like scuffs on the floor that had to have been made by an astromech droid. And they're able to put together that indeed Luke was a prisoner here. And then as much is revealed to them by the baddies. Yeah. And the the fortunate, I guess the more reasonable um, detective work came from them figuring out that the power supply came from a, a biomechanical source. Uh, and so obviously Luke's hand, but, uh, yeah, it, definitely a convenient situation. This shed is not very well hidden as no. a prison that's supposed to be hard to find. Um, but then it, from my memory, it's kind of left a little bit up in the air. Han and Lando, they, do they depart? I'm not sure if they do. I think they do. They're concerned about, about their friend, obviously, but yeah, I think no, they depart Though. We haven't okay. resolved everything in that whole storyline. We, we still get very little Thrawn. He also figures it out because he figures everything out. Um, yeah. But before the chapter's out, we cut back to Luke and Mara yet again. Yes, because it has shown up on everyone's radar what happened between the two of them and that they are likely both surviving and needing to work together. Everybody's kind of figured out what's up with everybody else except for Leia. Luke and Mara talk about like the domestication of the Vornskers, uh, removing their tails kills a lot of their normal hunting aggression. This is how Card has been able to like utilize them as a, like a tool army, I guess. She's like, she's starting to soften to Luke. It's very obvious here that like she's starting to be able to have a conversation without, you know, sniveling things like none of your business every time he talks. She's getting um, angry at the words coming his mouth. But then maybe there was more to him than met the eye. Oh, this is a little bit more development in her feelings. More to him than met the eye. More than just a family name, a political position, and a bag of Jedi tricks. I thought that was really interesting because it kind of hints at her not having fully specific reasons for hating him after all. That he, She just hates the figurehead of Luke Skywalker, the family name, the political figurehead, the Jedi bag of tricks. Her mouth tightened and she ran her fingers along the side of the lightsaber hanging from her belt. Yes, of course, there was more there. Whatever had happened at the end, at that terrible, confused, life-destroying end, it hadn't been his Jedi tricks that saved him. It had been something else, something she would make sure to find out from him before his own end came. So... Here's what she's to me, to that just, Go ahead. It, it, it's a matter of she thinks that he killed Vader and Palpatine out of power and not out of pity. Right. Um, and so I think I that's what I believe to be that that revelation that she will she will have, and then that will have everything she's come to know over the last five years mean nothing. <laughs> and then she dials all that back to like all that sensitivity. And she's like, Nope, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him as soon as I can logically do so. And also be safe myself. Which 
she could have already done at this point. She's just exactly. trying to make the excuses up in her mind. Exactly. And that's kind of the end of that chunk. Um, a lot of Luke and Mara, which actually was definitely the, the most interesting part. You would think that like Hondo and oh, yeah. uh, Hondo, Han and Lando um, in. Uh, you know, Hondo's a character. Right? I do. Yeah, I know. And not so different from either of those characters himself. Um, <laughs> right in between. Yeah. You would think them kind of like reenacting a sort of cloud city tension could have been really interesting, but they didn't spend a whole lot of time there. No, I thought the Luke and Mara stuff was really great yeah. uh, and it was where I wanted the focus to be. Uh, I want a little bit more Thrawn. I want a little bit more Sabayoth. Um, oh, yeah. I'll figure out what the hell's going on with that. Uh, Leia is the next chapter if uh, if it indeed was, uh, there was no Leia, as you mentioned. Sabayoth uh, is on the cover of the original publication of the book. Like, I have the book here and it's, it's not. It's Thrawn and then Luke holding a lightsaber. But like other iterations of the book, there's a picture of that wizard and... It's silly. He doesn't seem nearly as threatening or as as like a a, a torment in this book as you would think. Interesting at first. Incredible introduction in this book. But then never lived up to his introduction again. Well, he will. He will come back to it. They will have a moment where Luke needs to go find him on... Uh, I don't even remember the name of the planet that he's hiding away on. Um, But that's something that was revealed several chapters back. And to be honest... I'm shocked Luke didn't go there immediately. That it, it feels very weird how sidelined he's been. Right. Um, so I'm hoping he, in the next chunk of, are we going to do three chapters again or four? Or what are uh, we going to do? I think we'll do four for the next one because one of them is only like six pages, a very short chapter. Perfect. Okay, cool. So we'll do uh, we'll do four in the next chunk and, and hopefully there's some more Sabayoth in those. Another uh, scenario for the, the Luke and Mara development could be that he doesn't best her, that he actually falls under someone's thumb again, either via Isalamiri or like Card catches up, or I guess in this case it would be Thrawn catches up, takes control, and is gonna kill Luke, and Mara Jade has to rescue Luke. And then that... To actually confront her real feelings as opposed to just what she thinks her feelings are? Well, she can still pretend even after doing that, like, no, he's mine, I'm going to kill him. But she'll ultimately have done it out of mercy and and mm. and yeah. curiosity. I could absolutely see that just as easily. That's a very good point. Um, yeah, I'm really curious to know if, if that and how that develops in this book um, and whether or not the majority of that comes in some of the latter parts of the trilogy. Yeah. Um, I guess we can move on then. Any Star Wars news to touch upon? Not really a ton. Uh, everything's kind of a little bit quiet with the, the many strikes that are going on sure. and everybody's respecting that, which I think is a good thing. Although weirdly, um, not very respectful of the writer's strike um, was uh, that it was announced that Donald and Stephen Glover would be taking over as the writers of the Lando project, right? which is awesome. Um, and definitely means it's going to be the final variation. It's not like these guys are going to get replaced and Donald Glover is going to stick around on the project. True. So if it's not them running the show, the show is not happening. Exactly. Yeah. However, the development that happened the day later was that Justin Simeon, who was the writer announced that that's how he found out too. Oh, shitty. So good job, Lucasfilm. You yeah. continue to treat your creative heads like shit. Yeah. Um, like that is just, like he could not have given a better response. It was so classy. 
it was the meme of Donald Glover. I don't like it. I don't agree with it, but I accept it. Oh, yeah, um, that's nice. And, and he was just that, uh, he said, uh, that Donald Glover is a national treasure. Um, I cannot wish them more luck. Um, best of luck to everyone black involved. Uh, and so really as good a response as nice. possible, but so disappointing that he didn't find out sooner than that. Maybe it's Jeff Snyder just being like a week. Like he has scooped some ridiculous things lately. He yeah. just, he knows things faster. He's this scooper who just knows things faster than the people who work on the projects. Um, but that's disappointing. That shouldn't be a thing. Oh yeah. Where the, finds out that, that way. The corporate espionage of, of Disney Lucasfilm has been really mishandled, like just really sloppy over the years. And I mean, the other thing that, and, and the reason it's worth mentioning that this will be the last iteration of this question mark of a project is that there have been other um, interesting creative artists at the front of Star Wars projects before, and then the big wigs, the execs got a little nervous uh, about what that um, that creative outside the box thinker might in fact be doing with their property. And I mean, Donald Glover is nothing if not an outside the box thinker. And so it seems a little hard to imagine that they would give him the keys to something they, they tend to keep on such a short leash. Um, if they do and they let him like really sing like he wasn't able to with the Deadpool animated series, then wonderful. This could be like one of the most potential Star Wars things in a long, long time. But I'll believe it when I see it. Um, and it's nice to know that he wants to be that involved in Star Wars, that he's not just accepting a paycheck. Because I always kind of wondered, are you just accepting a paycheck? I know he liked Star Wars as a kid, but also like Donald Glover is like a big thinker kind of artist and like everything has to matter in the grand scheme, right? That is true. But at the same time, he is still the comedian who was on Community who got excited that the world got excited about him being Spider-Man. And then yeah. he was disappointed that the world was like, Oh, there's also all these racists who are mad about me being Spider-Man. Right. So it's just he was a guy who kind of had his best moment like slapped at by a bunch of terrible people and so he has a perspective that is wiser than a lot of people would at his age and um having succeeded as Lando already puts it in a good spot which is kind of encouraging. Most people really liked his Lando, I did. Um I'm curious to know the commentary whether is is it going to lead into kind of more uh, of some of the racial topics? Is it going to be focused a little bit more on the the benefit of being a human in Star Wars? Will it benefit, mm. will it talk about the benefit of being a white human in Star Wars? Um, whether it's born on a core world, uh, like how are you going to adapt kind of that, um, that perspective? And I mean, you don't need to necessarily adapt that perspective, but someone like Donald Glover who does everything with social commentary everything there's going to be and that's what star wars is as well star wars is just um very well hidden social commentary um but when you're telling a lando story it's probably going to be a little bit more in the open overall i'm just excited that it means the project is in progress of its final form yes um whether or not that comes to fruition or not it's in a in a certain capacity going to be not too different from what it's 
being worked on although it's not being worked on because the writer's strike that's what i was going to say There's, who knows when this is going to happen if at all it's everything remains absolutely up in the air and it's going to be a while before we get anything unfortunately but i tell you what yeah. i do like a a possible future where we have a return of him as lando and also troy barnes like it would be nice yeah. to get back to 10 years ago donald where he was like an a-lister who was around all the time because he's just so impossibly good in everything and i want more of him yeah, he's going to probably release a stand-up special just one day randomly, and then we're all going to be like completely blindsided <laughs> by it because we all forget the fact that he's also a great one of those. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. Uh, okay, yeah. what else? Anything? Um, weird rumor. I don't have necessarily, I don't really know the sourcing. I've seen it a few places, but I don't necessarily know the quality of the rumor. Um, but that good old corporate Disney and Lucasfilm are considering turning the Mando season four scripts into a movie. Oh, okay. I don't know if I like that. Um, maybe it could be great, but I don't know if I like that um, because it's not the way it was written. And uh, except, except for that season three for all its misgivings did conclude with an end. And so yeah. a natural sequel to that might not be to kick off a new arc, but to do a big, a big friggin' show all at once. Yep, yeah, I'm gonna res I'm gonna reserve judgment. It's not like I'm gonna be disappointed in a Star Wars in getting a Star Wars property. I just don't necessarily want to lose an hour and a half to two hours of Mandalorian yeah. time. Fair enough. But uh, I don't know. I actually I could be persuaded to be excited about that. But I think I'm also more partial to movies than you. That is definitely true. I've always been more of a TV guy than a movie yeah. guy, and you maybe the other way around, yeah. or at least certainly more on par. Um, but I also, we have the Filoni movie that's kind of yes. scratching that itch for me. And so, um, maybe the Filoni movie is not much of a Mando movie. Maybe it really is more of a Rangers of the New Republic turned into a movie. And that's the reason why, oh, the world kind of thinks it's a Mando movie. Maybe we need to make a Mando movie now. Well, let's just make season four a Mando movie. So if that's the way it was, and it was John Favreau's idea, then I changed, then I completely take back everything I've said and, and then bring it on so and also way, okay. it, it could be pedro wants to do less They're yeah trying to find I mean, a way to spin it well i mean that's going to happen no matter what it's just a matter of maybe that's the way that you can pay him enough to take his helmet off yeah yeah hopefully because at least you'll get an roi on it um <laughs> just everybody's ramping up for ahsoka now there's not too much uh that's necessarily um uh, being really focused on i looked through it and i'd say the final seven episodes of ahsoka uh, sorry of rebels um is the most effective way to get ready for ahsoka okay do you watch just those seven episodes that i know that's a that's a lot but seven episodes it's it's a it's length of a movie 21 minute episodes that's like a two and a half hour movie um that's and it's also really good episodes. Sure. It's not like they like they go out with like a whimper. I think that would get 90% of the picture to a lot of people leading up to it. I don't think you're going to need, you're not going to need to see those episodes. Uh, and the if you start at the last episode or the second last episode or the third last episode, that's still one more episode of context that you will have. And so you start at seven, six, five, like any of those. Um, whatever you can fit in, I encourage it in advance of Ahsoka because I think it will really enrich the experience uh, and you don't need to bite off that much. Really, I don't think you need to see any Clone Wars. Uh, Ahsoka is Anna Anakin's Padawan and 
There is an arc where she leaves the Jedi Order because she I already realizes know the cause of it. But it's like it, the, the arcs themselves, I don't think are going to, uh, that tells you about the character, but it won't enrich necessarily the plot. Okay. The same way that Rebels getting those last few episodes will really enrich the plot, I believe, but they will definitely do enough exposition to make it understandable. And Dave Filoni has mentioned that for all the people who are calling it Rebels season five, which it won't be. Right. Okay. I can do that. I can try and commit to that. Sounds good. In the meantime, we do have some more Heir to the Empire to read. We're going to read chapters 25, 26, 27, 28 for our next podcast. And I know I, I feel like I've been saying this for a while, but like then we're really in the home stretch. Um, so yeah. some of the stuff we've been predicting is either going to come to pass or we're going to be surprised. Excited for that. Uh, in the meantime, if you have any comments about Star Wars in general, specific questions or comments about this book, we welcome them. You can email recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Or you can contact us on X or whatever it's called now. I don't know, but it's, we're called what we were always called before. Please rate and review on your preferred podcast app. Or if you're with us on YouTube, you can do the same there. And until we are together again, may the force be with you.